Hello and welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today we're going to look at the analysis of athletic coaching failures. This is from, this is a chapter in a book that Bobby Dodd wrote called Bobby Dodd on Football. I've referenced this book before on the podcast, but I think it's a really good book and it's really good wisdom and it's wisdom that has stood the test of time. This book was written in 1954, so I think if we're still reading it today, then it's something we can comment on and read through and learn uh, and learn from. Because as a as a coach, I think we should always be learning, right? We should always be in the process of trying to make ourselves better and help our athletes achieve greatness in whatever uh, shape that looks like for them. Because some guys are going to be pro players, some guys are going to be college players, some guys will start at the high school level, some guys will play just a little bit, and that can change based upon ability level, uh, because you know the Lord gave us all different talents, and it's up to us to develop our talents. It's also up to us as coaches to develop our players' talents, obviously. And it's important that we are very serious about that task, that we take it seriously, and that we try to give our, our players every opportunity to be successful. And that's that leads right into point one. So point one is the athletic coach is sometimes accused of lack of effort and interest. And I think if all of us are honest, we've seen this in ourselves from time to time, and we've seen it in other people. And I'll, I'll read a little bit. We can, we'll discuss, we'll discuss a little deeper. It says, he says, success in athletic coaching goes hand in hand with hard work. Over a period of years, it cannot be considered a matter of luck. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Too frequently, the inexperienced coach does not comprehend all the duties and responsibilities of his work. And due to this fact, he creates the unfortunate impression in the community and among his players that he is lazy and indolent. And indolent. Let me, let's Google this real quick. So what is, what does that mean? That's a word you don't see. Uh, oh, so indolent or indolent, if I, however you pronounce it, uh, wanting to avoid activity or exertion, lazy. So yeah, it's it's not luck that makes a coach good. It's hard work. It's becoming a better coach. It's striving to help your players succeed and doing what it takes, right? Doing what it takes as a coach, putting in the time necessary to be good at what you're trying, what you're trying to do. And he goes on and he says the duties and responsibilities of an athletic coach include a reading and study, reading and study of books on coaching, athletic conditioning, first aid, physiology of exercise, psychology, education, and the like. And then B detailed and business-like organization of that part of the program assigned to him for administration. Yeah. As a coach, that's really interesting. He says that because I would imagine in as a college coach these days, some of those things are not on the on the radar, uh, such as first aid, physiology of exercise, psychology, maybe psychology because you're trying to help your players' mental approach. But that really speaks to a high school coach these days, uh, how we have to be a lot of things for our players. Uh, we can be a psychologist. We, we're a strength and conditioning coach. We are uh, an academic advisor of some sort. And, yeah, we have a lot of different roles we play. So – you know, if we're doing those well, then if, even if people do accuse a coach of being uh, disinterested or uh, lazy, you can 
you can point that and say, no, nah, that's not true, right? Look at all these things that we're doing to help our players because and I don't know about you, but I, I've been coaching for give or take 15 years now. Uh, the home life of our players that have really has really deteriorated uh, in just a short amount of time. That in this in the short amount of time I've been coaching, uh, and that's not everybody. That's not every situation. Uh, we have a lot of great families here in my high school, but you can see how uh, you know the, the lives of our players is more difficult than maybe. It was 15 years ago, maybe, thir- you know, thir- especially if 30 years ago, uh, you know, with the way the family structure is, is these days in some, some places, some houses. Um, he goes on, he says, see the study and analysis of strengths and weakness of his coaching system and of other systems in order to plan intelligent, intelligently for the season of coaching. Yeah. Uh, it is not the coaching system that determines success, but the thoroughness and efficiency with which the system is taught. Let me say that again, because that's really good. It is not the coaching system that determines success, but the thoroughness and efficiency with which the system is taught. Wow, that's really good. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to win football games, all different systems, uh, but it's the ones that we're teaching well that are going to give us the best success. And I think that's something that's very important for us as coaches to remember, especially during clinic season, is it's not, hey, this system will automatically help you to win. It's, for me, it's matching the personnel with the system you're trying to run and then teaching that system. And somebody once said that plays are expensive, formations are cheap. And I think you can teach multiple formations, but keep your plays simple. And I've gone the other way too. I've had a bunch of different plays in one formation. So it depends on how you want to want to use your time because we all are given the same amount of time in a week. And it's how do we use that to help our players be the best that it can be. There's a couple other points there as well. Uh, study and analysis of the playing strengths and weaknesses of the members of the team. Uh, individual instructions should be given to overcome weaknesses and take maximum advantage of playing strengths. I think that's a key too. take advantage of your players strengths. Uh, I just say capitalize on that. <laughs> I know you have to work on your weaknesses, but that they're just going to be there. They're going to be what they are. Uh, like James Harden doesn't have a great right-handed move to the basket, right? He's great with his left hand. Well, he's an all-star and he's probably, probably going to be in the hall of fame. Let's do that. Like Michael Jordan at the end of his career. Great. The fadeaway jumper. Okay. He was great at that. He wasn't trying to, do something else he was really good at what he wanted to do uh, so yeah let's be good at, at those things i like basketball analogies too i think basketball and football can fit with the uh, with the analogies and then the last one outline of a daily plan of practice before the practice session begins yeah you have to i think you have, you have to plan practice uh, i've never been around a good i've never been around a good coach that didn't plan practice you have to to plan it it has to be planned you have to have a way of going about your business that allows your players to know what's coming and to be successful. When a player asks me, what are we doing in practice today? I tell them, I give them a heads up of what's coming, what is expected uh, so they can get their mind right uh, and help them to be able to, to focus and push through the practice that is going to be coming up in a couple minutes. All right. Point number two, 
below average and inexperienced players constitute a common coaching problem. Although it is generally agreed that there are factors of good and bad fortune connecting with the playing strength of every athletic squad, the energetic coach will have several legitimate methods at his command by which he can improve both the quality and size of his squads. This is good stuff because when I, when I read that, I think about us as high school coaches, we're trying to recruit our own hallways. We're trying to get the guys out of the hallway to play football for us. Right. And especially these days, all the different choices that players have, uh, how do we uh, get the best players in our hallways on our roster? So let's see what coach Dodd says. He says uh, the coach should make friends with promising elementary and junior high athletes and should encourage them to remain in school. Right. So for us as high school coaches, uh, yeah, let's talk to those junior high and elementary uh, students in our school systems and try to help them to uh, stay in school so they can play football for us. Uh, the poor students of the squad should be helped with their studies and encouraged to step to set up some plan for their adult life that includes graduation from high, high school and university. So, yeah, we I know for us here, uh, we grade check. We are investing in our players' academics. We're looking to see how we can help them maintain their grades, how do we help them get better grades? Uh, those things are uh, are very, very important to us. And I'll, I'm, I'm assuming that's they're important to all the coaches listening, uh, that the grade, our players' grades are very important uh, to them as to them as well. And I, <laughs> this is a rabbit trail, but I love the fact that there's paper here. I'm just looking, I can, man, paper. Paper is, is great to be able to flip through and have a tactile experience with your book, right? And the things that you're learning. I enjoy that. I'm sure other coaches on the podcast enjoy that as well. And then we'll do one more here. Uh, a preseason canvas of all boys in the school should be made and they should be invited personally by the coach to try out for the team. Yeah. In this connection, it is frequently necessary to see parents to get parental consent. So absolutely have go through the hallways as a coach, make personal connections with your, with the players in the hallway or potential players in the hallway, have a parent meeting, uh, contact parents, uh, try to get your players out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really good. It's so interesting how this book, this book was written for you know college coaches, uh, but there's a lot of uh, carryover uh, to us high school people. I mean, the book, I guess, is written for high school guys too, but a college coach is writing this and it's really interesting to see the the carry over there as we as we study it very cool so another point he makes uh, inefficient teaching methods result in mistakes by players uh, the athletic instructors should plan all practice periods and teaching procedures intelligently there are many accepted principles and psychological laws of learning that have practical application in the field of athletic coaching teaching or good coaching is teaching right uh, that is that's it. I think every good coach I've ever had or I've ever known is a good teacher. And I'm not saying they teach AP stats or calculus or something of that nature, but every good coach I know is a good teacher. And that's something that cannot be overlooked. Uh, the ability to teach, the ability to motivate, those are things that are really important uh, for us as as coaches in general, we may think of athletic coaching as the teaching of motor habits. Yeah, absolutely. And when I look at, uh, 
you know, playing a football, planning a football practice, you're looking at individual time, group time, team time. You're trying to maximize the time to get the necessary number of reps to be able to be good at what you're trying to do. And I think that's very, very, very important uh, for us as coaches to, to think about is how do I organize my practice so it is efficient so that and and we get enough reps to be good at what we want to be good at. And not too many reps, because sometimes <laughs> uh, we get some diminishing returns if we go too long. Right. So he goes. He goes on, he says, uh, a few fundamentals, blocking, ball handling, footwork, etc., well-taught are more conducive to success than having all skills explained, but none habituated. The coach should work for perfection of execution and focus on attention to detail. Let's read that again. The coach should work on for the coach should work for perfection of execution and focus on attention to detail. Let's do a few things really well. And then we will have success and a few being more than one or two, right? We have to have a, a number of different plays. We have to have some number of different skills uh, as far as on the, on the field, but let's find what those necessary skills are and let's do that. Right, let's do that over and over again. So we are very proficient at them. And then the last one I'll talk about here in this category, performance is more important than form. The coach should hesitate to require detailed mechanical movements of a player if his present performance is highly effective. <laughs> this is awesome. And he goes on and says, remember, there are many football punters ruined by coaching for every punter helped by it. <laughs> um, but he says also, it is absurd to see 10 different university basketball squads using 10 different mechanical techniques and foul shooting with every boy on each squad carrying out the detailed mechanical method prescribed by his particular coach. It would seem that at least nine of these 10 coaches must be teaching inaccurately. <laughs> However, the coach should make an accurate measurement of performance before he permits unorthodox execution. So yeah, I, I've used this analogy before. Muhammad Ali boxed with his hands by his waist and Joe Frazier boxed with his hands by his face. And both were world champions. Yeah, both were world champions. Uh, both were some of the greatest of all time. And it's not how they carried their hands that was important. It's how they, it was how they boxed, right? And I know for us as coaches, especially in the era of Huddle and YouTube and Glazier and all those things. Um, it can it can be easy. I know for me as a coach to watch the film and tell my and show my players and say, "Hey, this is exactly how I want you to do it." Now, are there certain things in football you, you need to do a certain way? Absolutely. Uh, things that involve safety, tackling, right, head up, eyes up, hit with the near shoulder, those types of things. But how you throw a football, that can be different. You watch quarterbacks throw, they all have a, a slightly different throwing motion. Uh, you watch running backs run. You watch people people run in general. Uh, there's different ways people do things. My, I played offensive line, 
And offensive line is one of those positions where you want everybody to sort of look the same, right? The footwork's the same, hand placement. But everybody's still going to look different because everybody's body is a little different. So, you know, us as coaches, sometimes we overcoach it. Sometimes I overcoach it. Uh, we just have to let our players be, be functionally sound so they can perform their, their duty. Uh, so, man, just uh, thank you all for listening to this podcast. Uh, I really enjoy have, have enjoyed this book, uh, Bobby Dodd on football. And uh, hope you all have a great day.